right, so we're out of timeline. Like, not it's very hasty, unlike Hero Summer. We have to make haste. Yeah, no siestas here. No siestas here. <laughs> so how should we kick this off? Wait, Alexi is European, so yes, this oh, is yeah. true. And she's I not must... from she's not from anywhere in Europe. She's from the capital of Europe. Italy. Yeah, I must <laughs> make a point of personal privilege in that I am fifty percent um, Italian by blood, and maybe not culturally. I'm trying to think of how culturally aligned I am with the Italian people. I mean, I love pasta. I love um, Dolce and Gabbana and stuff like that. But um, yeah, so this episode is about. Euro summer, which is like a cultural institution at this point. You're probably wondering why everyone you know on social media is in Europe and, you know, making this content that's very like romanticized, the cobblestone streets and the colorful buildings and the architecture and the vibes. Um, Do you, can you speak Italian for us? I actually can't, like not at all. Ciao, Bella. Yeah, ciao, Bella. Buongiorno. But um, the minions, the minions speak Italian like a good bit, and as I was watching it, I was like, maybe I do know like more Italian than I think. So I guess we should go in pecking order because I live in Europe now. So mm-hmm. I'll talk next, and then Sam has to go last. Okay. Yeah. Um, what do I have to say? So yeah, Euro summer. It's what we're talking about today, guys. Buongiorno from across the pond. Uh, I guess Alexi described it pretty well. But basically, we're going to get to the bottom of why this specific summer has such a European flavor, as opposed to previous summers when, like, I think the past summers before this have been very, like, Mexican-flavored. And this is, like, the European summer. Speaking of Mexican people. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm Mexican, and so I guess there's a connection to Europe. Um, (laughs) um, Hi, I'm Mexican. Um uh i guess yeah that's like i have european background as you guys everyone can probably see it's like a white latina but um i've been to europe i went to spain which is you know where like my ancestry probably comes from on like my grandmother's side um but yeah no i mean i i just really romanticize europe like in the way that any like girl that thought she was really quirky would like in like her youth um and i drink cappuccinos like pretty often um and i love anchovies i know european people probably love those oh yeah hot girls eat tinned fish vibes mm-hmm. oh, that's <laughs> I right i scarfed some anchovies down i was going to make as uh, i was going to make the allison roman shallot pasta and so i walked to tesco and i was like do 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 shallots do 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 and then there's an anchovy shortage at tesco and then a tesco employee yelled at me so i left and then I had to go to a fancy butcher, and I accidentally bought a jar of sardines that cost nine pounds, which is like thirteen dollars. Oh my god! I know it was. Yeah. And then I finally found my sardines, and then I was dropping them into my mouth yesterday, like a like um, a tomcat, like an alley cat. <laughs> and, and I was like feeling the little bones like prickle my mouth. Anyways, Dude. I know. Very lady in the tramp of you. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of shortages, I feel like it's important. Another really big point that we want to talk about regarding Euro summer is that, like, yeah, it's very like romantic and picturesque and like goals, and you're jealous of everyone that's in Europe. But maybe people have been in Europe for a little bit too long this summer because we're starting to see like a lot of people complain about how low functioning everything is and how mm-hmm. 
there are strikes and shortages and no AC and you can't find water anywhere. And I think it's really making us like rethink the comforts of American life and the new world and the luxuries that we have here. I've had a really hard time this summer living in Europe. I, I feel miserable every day. I'm hot every day. I sweat every day, um, et cetera. And there's the, there's the shortage of things like iced coffee, but then there's literal shortages like of things like airline workers, uh, which is the number one shortage. Yeah, it's like when you're in Europe, you can't really leave because like you probably missed your flight and they like aren't going to refund you. So I, I looked into why the travel chaos is affecting Europe so much more than the rest of the world. And one is because, uh, well, there's a ton, a ton of layoffs during the COVID years of airline workers, as there was in many countries. But Europe kind of like reopened before a lot of other countries did for travel and like invited that back in quicker. But then Europe is also like union central. And so the remaining airline workers just started striking. Like at some point recently, the Spanish Ryan, Ryanair crew, which Ryanair is like the biggest uh flight flight company airline the biggest airline um, <laughs> the, biggest flight, the biggest plane uh, in europe they they had a 12-day strike in july um so it's just like there's so many strikes like it just i don't think we see that in the u.s so much like the yeah, uh, oh, yeah. i think in the u.s yeah. people's jobs are like slightly more replaceable or something or like i don't know there's less worker solidarity and also i feel like in the u.s especially when it comes to i mean like this we talked about the tube strike and how it affected you but I mean like if it's like imagine MTA workers in New York striking everyone would just be so pissed mm-hmm. at them and like would not give them anything they wanted because it would be like you literally like your strike is like affecting my ability to like go to my job but I feel like maybe in Europe like people don't care about that they're just like just figure it out yeah it seems like America really has like an emphasis culturally on convenience which like I on it this is another thing too where I feel like a lot of people um have this like perception that even last night I was having a conversation with somebody that was like yeah no like I French people are like not my favorite because like they think I'm like a stupid American because I like whoppers and I was just like I don't know I mean I I kind of agree where it, it does get kind of cross whenever you're like so emphasizing on like you're so emphasized culturally on convenience and just like facilitating every aspect of your life when you're just like, a little baby but mm-hmm. I do also think like there's like slightly a misperception because I, I want to ask you, Biz, do you, when the European people that I've met, they've been just as sophisticated as any other American that I've met. And there's like a few exceptions, of course, where people are like extremely well-read or really well-educated into like the education system in Europe is like really great or something. But I think that's the case in the United States too. What has your experience been with this? Uh, well, I don't really hang out with that many like, European Europeans. Like I hang out with more like british people (laughs) and people that live in um the uk that aren't british but aren't like from mainland europe but i would say that i think americans are just a lot more comfortable like acting dumb and being silly but like not in a not like americans are so dumb but like americans just don't really care if they look dumb or something Mm -hmm. um it's something i noticed but Yeah. yeah that's a good question i mean the convenience thing is really interesting because that's the number one difference I noticed between living in America and living over here is like living over here is like easier in the way that the trains are easier to use, but then like everything is less convenient otherwise. Up until this summer, I mean, I didn't go to Europe, but I felt like I did because I was watching TikTok all summer and 
I really like learned how much America has like as opposed to like a lot of like the European like oh a good example of this is like iced coffee so the big dilemma that Americans abroad face in Europe is that iced coffee is available in some countries like in the UK but that's not like mainland Europe but not always and then in some places it's just really hard to find but like yesterday I walked to Pret-a-Manger and usually they have iced coffee but this one was like yeah we don't do ice it's just like stuff like that where there's a lot of variance between even like chains versus you would never go into a Starbucks in America and they'd be like yeah we don't do ice here <laughs> they're just that just wouldn't happen I was just gonna say that I'm, I'm glad we're talking about food because I feel like one of the most classic images of Euro summer posting that you see is like everyone's little charcuterie boards or like quaintly arranged spreads of local produce and bread and wine and it's always very like pretty like fresh fruit in a bowl and like melon and prosciutto and I feel like shopping is shopping for like local or fresh or like artisanal food is really cheap and accessible in Europe so I feel like that's like one of the trade-offs like would we rather have like a convenient access to like shitty food or like slightly inconvenient access to like food that's really good but it's cheap there's like layers to the inconvenience like I literally have a mini fridge as my main fridge like there's layers <laughs> to inconvenience in Europe like it's yeah also in Europe, do they even have, like, big box stores like Costco? Like, I feel like people just, like, buy ingredients as they need them. There's no, like, yeah. idea of bulk shopping. There's Costco in the UK, I know. It's just, like, very snacky. Like, I feel like no one is, like, buying a ton of food at the same time and, like, meal prepping it. It's, like, you kind of have to forage for food every day. Yeah, you get bits. Yeah, yeah that's what you said when you first moved to England, Biz, that, like, really stuck with me. Because it was, like, mm. literally, like, a few weeks in and you were, like, for some reason, like, everyone just pops in the shop. That's just, like, a daily thing that you do. You just, like, like go to the store like, yeah. every single day, yeah. which is crazy. But I was talking to Kevin about this, my friend Kevin, who we interviewed, um, like, in a, for a great amount of time because there's, like, on TikTok, a lot of people talking about how, like, they've lost so much weight in Europe, not because they're, like, walking everywhere, but because, like, the bread is somehow, like, significantly different and, like, the FDA... Is like this evil force or whatever and like there's so many like ingredients in our foods in the united states that are like illegal in all of europe and like australia and like mm -hmm. most other places and that just seems like a really like a big topic of conversation and even like because i tried to read serotonin for this episode but i didn't finish it but he <gasps> the main character is like part of like the french like agricultural industry and yeah he's like shitting on like the failures of like trying to unify like the european union and I really like that perspective that Falbeck has. Like, like Europe is like, is more of a business and a unified like cultural front, which does make more sense to me. But it does seem like, yeah, very like what you said, variance says like that. Really, like, it just seems so old. Like after so long, like you're just gonna collect like so much random shit that like it's not nothing is gonna be like super consistent and like centralized. Weirdly, yeah, that that. That might be true. I don't know. I just know that I have a tiny mini fridge that I have to put my... <laughs> Your bits in. My bits in. Yeah, my bits. In the UK, they call, like, um, finger foods picky bits, which is so illegal. Oh my god, I love that. That's so, like, I feel like Arctic Monkeys should have a song called that. I know, but it's, like, the literal name for it. It's not, like, a, it's, like, it's like a known name. I like that a lot more than charcuterie, honestly. Yeah, charcuterie is, like, perverted, but... It's, like, hard to spell. It's, it's hard to spell. Also, have you guys seen the trending TikTok food, which is, this is not just a TikTok food, but it's trending on TikTok, which is like radish and butter. 
Yeah, I did eat that at Metrograph's the other day. It was pretty good. They literally probably put it on their menu because they saw it on TikTok. That's so funny. No, it was good, but I was really putting so much butter on there that it was like, this is just a vehicle for butter, but I love butter. Yeah, but that's like a classic, what people in America would think of as like, oh, that's such a European snack. The Americans would never eat that. I think that butter and like animal products and dairy milk being chic again seems related to this. Yeah, I'm getting I'm getting served so much content about butter, which is probably has something to do with myself because it's one of my favorite foods. But also that like being a, a viral TikTok snack. Also people talking about like French butter, which is like a kind of a fancier butter that has like salt crystals in it. Yeah. The Kerry Mediterranean diet, nice all that what what butter is? Kerry Gold, the Irish one. I think so too, but French butter is just like different because it's like has massive crunchy salt chunks in it. I've yeah, never yeah. tried before. Have you guys tried it? I don't try to go like yeah. No, yeah, I have. They have it at Metrograph also. <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> like certain weird French restaurants. I went to this like restaurant in Chicago that served me a bowl of mashed potatoes that was 60% fresh butter, 40% mm. potatoes. That shit was so good, dude. Oh my god, I think about that like almost every day. So I think I'm gonna fly back to Chicago to go get another bowl. Yeah, on some keto shit, like eating a lot of butter is totally fine for you. It's so fine for you. I ate a massive slab of butter today in my golden syrup oatmeal, or as they call it, porridge here. Um, Mm, porridge. Oh, wait, maybe we should define the aestheticas first, because I I, I actually think there is not a super good aesthetica for this. Yeah, it's kind of like a mix of just like Pinterest content of Mm. like. I guess we can get more into the fashion. I feel like yeah. there's a taste for like vacation fashion, which is like resort fashion, I guess. But in Europe, it's all it's also like super super hot there right now. But instead of dressing like thotty like we do in the U.S., like all of the mood boardy stuff is like very billowy, flowy dresses, a bikini with like a men's button up over it, just like maxi skirts and sundresses and handmade leather sandals. It's very Mediterranean. Um, I think it kind of rejects hot girl summer a little bit. Because even though I know these girls have plans to hoe in Europe, it's hoeing in Europe is a lot more romantic than hoeing in your domestic land. It's true. It's like skimpy, and, but it's not body conscious. Yeah. Like it's the thing. It's not body conscious. And I think another thing that's been popular this summer has been wearing like a bikini as a top and then wearing like a big shirt on top of it or something. It's very flowy and like effortlessly sexy but also i was thinking that this must have something to do with the coastal grandmother trend which the reason i think that is because like they have some of the same components in terms of like linens neutral white light tones yeah Yeah, but but i was thinking that so coastal grandmother just a quick explanation for those not familiar it's like this tiktok trend that's about looking like martha stewart or what's that lady who makes the movies about old women which one? Uh, Nancy, Ma- Nancy Myers? Wait, oh. are you talking about Nora Ephron? Yes, I think so. Okay, yeah. Okay, <laughs> well... No, so you know, it's... Yeah, it's like Nora Ephron, like Diane Keaton. Diane Keaton. Like, in her later years. Core. Yeah, looking yeah. like a re- leisurely rich, white, older woman who lives in, like, Cape Cod or something. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I was thinking that that must be the Protestant, Protestant version of the Catholic nation Euro Summer Girl. Because they are the same look. Mm-hmm. Coastal Grandmother is very Protestant because it's very New England. And oh, yeah. And I feel like, like it's, more, it's definitely more modest. Like, it's, like, wearing borderline Bermuda shorts. <laughs> no, it's literally, like, 
it's wearing Bermuda shorts and it's also wearing capris. Yeah. yeah. It gives like lesbian vibes a little bit. I like love coastal grandmas. I kind of like dress like one right now. I really agree that it's like very much more Protestant. It, it, there's something about it that's very like clinical and like neurotic in a very Protestant way. Like, have y'all ever seen something's gotta give? Mm, no, no. I think that that's like a really good movie to that exemplifies like the neuroticism of Protestants, which I think is like very distinct from like any other like cultural neuroticism. I think no, it's like I, it's like so funny. It's a really good movie. I love it. <laughs> I feel like the coastal grandmother thing is very like judgmental and I think the thing about uh like Euro summer fashion this is something that I was thinking a lot about is that like there's this historical tradition called the Grand Tour where in like the 17th to early 19th century young men would go on this grand tour of Europe with Italy being a key destination and they would like you know, see all of this, like, classical art and architecture, and it was, like, the first, the only way that people could really do that when they, like, came of age, and a huge part of that cultural education, even though it was really grounded in, you know, like, classicism and antiquity, was that they would get, like, a sexual education via the sexually liberated women of Southern Europe, and there are all these diaries of these guys from, like, the 18th century, where they were just, like, I've seen more hot women in this day than I've ever seen in my life in like England or like the Netherlands or whatever and they always talk about like how flattering the style of dresses in Europe or in southern Europe and how like the women are kind of tits out and like wearing things that are see-through and so I feel like that still is like very much real like the idea of southern European sexuality and I talked to my friend Ioana about this because she's Greek and maybe I'll put a sound bite there about it. I think it's exactly that like I don't know, the first time I really even saw, like, those thong bikinis was here when I was, like, a child, before it became a trend in America, where I was like, oh, everybody has a great ass in Greece and is not afraid to show it off. I also think that the hot weather does lend to just, like, being sexier and tanner and wearing less, etc. Yeah, that's true. Um, Everybody's also, this is a horny country. And I think in Spain also, women are just, like, sexy because they're like tan and i think like the dietary habits as well like lead to being like slim thick yeah mm-hmm. like sophia loren that's like yeah, the yeah, number yeah. one lady who exemplifies this and her it's like it's really corny but i love how she was like body by spaghetti <laughs> and then, then yeah like, i love it so jennifer lawrence who like obviously <laughs> is my role model <laughs> I feel like in Europe, it's not, there's no like depriving yourself. And it's kind of like wine mom vibes where it's like drinking wine, like eating pasta, like it's good for you. It's okay, like eat, eat, pray, pray love. love. Yeah, yeah. I actually feel like, I feel like I missed out on the eat, pray, love phenomenon. I mean, I do keep seeing TikToks that are like girls like being like, go by yourself to Italy. Like you can do anything you want. I love my own company, which I guess is kind of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And then they're like sucking down some, some pasta. And some apple um, spritz. Yeah, April spritz, April spritz. spritz. So Sam recently yeah. had her first April spritz. She like <laughs> took a journey to get one. Yeah, I was texting the chat because I was so furious. Like, I don't know what came over me. I was I was literally like trembling with rage because for like weeks I my all of my Target ads, they told like there was no Target ads except for April spritz. Like every single story I would click on on Instagram, the next story would be something for April spritz. I'd be scrolling down my feed, there'd be some girls drinking Aperol spritzes. Everywhere I went, YouTube, like, everything was just Aperol spritz. And I was like, fucking fine. I will do it. I will go find an Aperol spritz. I googled the nearest Aperol spritz near me, and I went to this, like, really nice little... 
Italian restaurant. I literally Googled that. I was like, Aperol spritz near me. And there was like right down the street. And I ordered like some sardines. I had Aperol spritz and it was so good. And that made me even more upset because the advertisement just worked. And I don't like it when they work on me. I like to be better than them. I don't know. I mean, it's like a soda. Like it is so refreshing. Like literally no one's better than an Aperol spritz ad, I think. Like, honestly, I I think they're delicious. They they taste like juice. And I did have a couple bad Aperol spritzes a couple weekends ago. And it really made me angry. Like something about drinking an un undelicious Aperol spritz feels like how could it be bad unless like the Aperol was bad? I think they didn't put enough Aperol in it. Oh. It's, it's like orangina. Is that how you see it? I was a little bit like that, yeah. <laughs> I've always said orangina. Just yeah, if you, if you feel like saying that, Sam, you can. I just wanted to say that. Yeah, if you want to say it, definitely go She's like orangina, dude. <laughs> Orangesy. <laughs> I, I think that Alexi made this point at some point, which is like that when you drink Aperol spritz, it kind of like um, makes you feel less like you're a drunkard because it is kind of like a sophisticated drink that doesn't really taste like alcohol. It doesn't really, it, the word spritz is so like lighthearted. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're getting like a vodka soda where you have to say like the liquor when you order it. That's very true. And it's just really easy to like think of them as an accessory versus a coping mechanism yeah like this is the big um american complaint is that like it's hard to get water at restaurants like they don't automatically bring you water but it's like there's so many tasty drinks in europe why would you not just eat your food with an aperol spritz but i think there is like a casual alcoholism vibe going on where it's just yeah you need wine at every meal and you know as like a half italian person i do i've been drinking wine since i was like a kid i feel like just with meals but it didn't make me like any less interested in alcohol <laughs> like i feel like now i'm just like a casual alcoholic or something what was what what did wine taste like when you were a kid were you like i just yummy? remember it. yeah i remember thinking it was pretty yummy was it red wine uh-huh. I, red wine white wine i would drink whatever but i remember my sister had a real problem because she would like straight up like drink like a glass of wine just like chugging it like in one sitting and my mom was like no you're like supposed to sip it and my sister was like why <laughs> that's because she's cool yeah did y'all's parents do the thing where you like dip your pinky in like the alcohol when you're like a little child like a toddler my parents no. used to like drink tequila and let me like dip my <laughs> oh pinky my in it i feel like i remember doing that with like an old-fashioned or something i'm gonna I do that with my kids that. that reminds me of that tweet that i think about all the time recently that's like someone who said they soaked their like a childhood stuffed animal in milk and then they would suck <laughs> it in the wall and it made it audible thud <laughs> yeah. oh wait wait something else i wanted to talk about and sam because you're mexican i feel like maybe you'll have a take on this um one of the most viral like fashion moments of the recent past has been mirror palais collection three where they did this like lookbook of very statuesque tan brunette women wearing these like delicate garments of eyelet lace and like just really pretty Mexican looking clothes or just like trad oh cowboy clothes. Pearl, I see Pearl's little head. Sorry, <laughs> I know Miss Pearl, Miss Miss my baby Pearl. It's her birthday. Happy birthday, Pearl! Oh my oh, god, happy birthday! 
Happy Sorry. birthday, Pearl. Happy birthday. Happy yeah. birthday. Sorry, Lizzie, I cut you off, but I saw Pearl's head and I couldn't ignore <laughs> it. <laughs> She's just no, a baby. Aww. Um, baby. Um, but one thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I feel like this aesthetic is like, it's just getting like post colonial. Like, I feel like a lot of the imagery, they took like all of their lookbook photos in these like grocery stores or markets or vaguely religious looking homes. And like, it kind of looks like it could be in Italy, but it also looks like it could be in any colonial town in Mexico. So I'm kind of loving like the that Euro summer can apply to anywhere in the global south that's been like colonized to an extent aesthetically. Okay, this is what's interesting about Mexico is that like all of its tourist towns or a lot of its tourist towns like San Miguel de Allende are very much like just trying to like mimic the European vibe. So like that look and that like flowy like lacy dress and stuff, I wouldn't even say it's like less true Mexican inspired, more like Spaniard inspired. Because mm-hmm. like true Mexican dress is like very varied throughout the regions but Mm -hmm. it's like more akin to things like i would say in like a full political dress or something but Mm -hmm. i think mexico suffers from the same thing that like the united states does which is that it feels kind of like less sophisticated than europe in this weird way and like all of its tourist towns but is your right that like the last few summers were were mexican summers mexican summers Yeah. yeah because the thing that i noticed is like for a long time people had those hats do you know what I'm talking about? Sombreros. Those like, those like no, <laughs> no, those like hats, those like tur- me- tourist in Mexico hats, like Panama yes, hats. Oh my god, literally like Cuban grandpa hats. Yeah, like all these girls, like like, like fashion like, girls, like hot girls. Yeah, hot girls would wear them. Like when yeah. I would visit Mexico and stuff, and we'd go to the more touristy parts, I would see just like groups of hot girls making TikToks wearing those hats, and I was like, why are you wearing a Panama hat? Like you look like Colonel Sanders. Like, it was so not good. I feel like it's really like that, a bikini top and, like, white linen pants is a vibe. In the, the late 2010s, it was all about Tulum, for sure. All the influencers went there to Tulum, which is in Mexico on... It's on the, the Yucatan Peninsula, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> People went there for their weird spiritual hippie kicks. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why, but... People <gasps> went there to do yoga and shit. And, like, connect with their inner self. But now people have gone moved past that and they are going to Catholic countries like uh well, Mexico is still Catholic, but two of them has less of that vibe. They're going to Italy, which has the Pope. I but I feel like also there's this um thing going on with Euro Summer where it's not just like track death. I feel like there's a return to the like Ibiza like party circuit yes. type mm-hmm. of thing. And this is also very like aligned with Drake's new album. I saw so many TikToks that were like if you don't get Drake's new album, like, you've clearly never been to Ibiza and you just, like, don't know the vibes of Europe and, like, staying up until dawn listening to house music. And so I feel like there's this very, like, retro techno vibe going on. I will say that, like, Mike Posner took a pill in Ibiza has been floating around my head for the past year or so because it's a really good song, but Ibiza does feel really vintage. I feel like there's a period in our youth where Europeans were kind of really ruling pop music like Mr. Saxo beat and I feel like I saw a lot of TikToks of like younger Gen Z people being like OMG imagine like being in the club in 2009 and like this song comes on. What's Mr. Saxo beat? Mr. Saxo beat? You Doesn't make, that me, go like... make me like... Oh okay yeah. That yeah. song and then also the like Papa like all of these like corny <laughs> yeah. like Euro dance songs. I feel like people are really liking those these days. Yeah we touched on this with the San... Snap-pocalypse episode where we were talking about like Ibiza vibes of like music for a while. 
mm-hmm. it was like a bunch of rap artists would make Ibiza vibe stuff, but not not like Drake did. Like it was definitely specifically for like the cornier vibe of Ibiza. It wasn't like house music. Yeah, songs that just have like EDM drops as the hook instead of like real chorus. Yeah, it was for like Georgia Armani core. Like that's what it was. <laughs> Um, oh, which I love, by the way. He has a house on my family's ancestral island, and he like always has really young boys that are walking around. Oh no, <gasps> are they are they nude? Like in speedos. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but speaking of speedos, I think there's also like this weird thing with modesty in Europe where I think it's like okay to go braless and okay to wear stuff that's like really see through. But I keep seeing TikToks where there's like discourse about oh, like I can't believe you wore that to dinner, you know? I don't know, I feel like online boutiques have created this liminal type of style that's like somewhat like a swimsuit cover-up, but not something you could like actually really wear if you like wanted to swim in the beach. It's like Love Island core, like stuff that's just for lounging near a body of water. Yeah, my mom wears a lot of this. Um, Because I grew up in a beach town and she has like an endless supply of these because moms don't ever get in the water for some reason. Moms love sarongs, mom loves sarongs, and now influencers love sarongs. My mom is the opposite. She always scrubs herself down with sand at the beach, like, aggressively. Oh, that's a good idea. I need to try that. I feel like women get in the water more in Europe because they're less insecure about their bodies than in America. Yeah. Oh, and also, like, topless. Being topless at the beach is, like, a huge thing. I remember being really, not, like, traumatized by that, but um, I just remember being a kid because we were so, like, Euro in that I, like, didn't really grow up in the U.S. for the first, like, seven years of my life. I, like, didn't wear a swimsuit top until I, like, moved to the U.S., and then I was just like, why do I have to do this? And then, like, every time I would go back to Europe, my cousin would be, like, sunbathing, naked. And it did feel, like, kind of normal. Because we talked about the one trip that people would take to Europe. The Grand Tour, yeah. And, I mean, I think this kind of, like, went on into, like, the 90s and stuff. Because I feel like everyone's mom went to Europe back- yeah, backpacking, like, once. Yeah. yeah, and, like, my mom did this. And she was very traumatized as well because she was, like, a virgin until she got married when she was, like, 30 and, like, had never seen, like, naked people before. And she, like, it's always, like, that's always a story is, like, your mom is, like, this virginal, like, woman and she happens upon this nude beach and she just, like, tells everybody this story. And I recently talked to someone else's mom that told me that story. The Santa was like, yeah, my mom, like, also had that experience. Like, were you guys, like, hanging out or something? But... I think a good example of the Grand Tour is the movie A Room with a View with Helena Bonham Carter. Have you guys seen that? Oh, I haven't. You guys would really like it. You should definitely see it. But it's about these two kind of young, upper-class British people that are in Italy for the summer. And they cross paths. But it definitely seems like it's in the tradition that Alexi was just explaining. Young men getting their cultural education in Southern Europe. And also being, like, scandalized, I think, by the way of life there and being, like, experiencing freedom or whatever mm-hmm. for the first time. Yeah, the whole nude beach thing and then also, like, staying in hostels. I feel like people always have, like, stories about that. And I think that's still more common than even just the one backpacking trip in Europe because I feel like people don't go backpacking in Europe anymore. They just go to, like, Greece or something and hang out by the beach or something. Mm-hmm. Europe just seems, like, exceptionally safe if that's something that you're able to do is, like, stay in hostels. I saw this tweet. Forgive me if it's from, like, a nefarious source. I don't know why I saw this tweet, but it was actually making a really good point, which is saying that, like, America was, like, really lacking in, like, public spaces because, like, every single time we, like, open up a park or any type of public space in the United States, it seems to start immediately being overrun by, like, homeless people because we have such a huge, like, problem of homelessness, like, here in the United States. And it doesn't seem like in Europe 
the same thing happens with public spaces. I mean, public spaces are definitely really full, and I'm sure there are also like a lot of scammers. Like, I don't want to get into this because it's very like immigration rhetoric, but I would say that parks in Europe are like also unsafe. Like, pickpocketing is a huge thing. I got robbed when I was in Venice by oh, Syrian immigrants. <laughs> Still, like, they literally live in transitions a lot of the time, yeah, because they like don't have anywhere else to go, and it's just like it is like. I feel like it's chilled out maybe a little bit, but in 2017, think, it was definitely, like, a big crisis. Um, I think it's more that Europe has a lot of beautiful, historical public squares. Yeah. And that's, like, the big thing is that it feels so nice to hang out in them because they're beautiful and old and there's, like, fountains. And, I mean, that's always, like, why when we talk about America, we think about, like, the mall as being, like, kind of a semi-public place that kind of replaces this yeah like piazza mm-hmm. or something yeah and i feel like the whole like public square thing is also it's often more fun or comfortable to be there than like in your poorly ventilated like apartment or house mm-hmm. yeah like, this was like the thing that my great aunts and uncles would always do is just like go play cards in the town square and just like sit and like drink all day really slowly and gossip and i was just like why don't you guys just like hang out at someone's house it's like you're not homeless but i think it is like really fun for them because like you're other you're seeing other people in the town square you're just chatting yeah, having no con- no air conditioning really does, having no air conditioning, like, does give you a different relationship to your house. Yeah. It isn't you, like, literally just a do comfortable not want to be there. place. <laughs> yeah, it's not, like, it's not, like, a comfortable place. It's, like, it's just not, because, like, I feel like in America, I can spend a lot of time in my house, but here I'm, like, oh, like, gotta go outside, I'm a bit hot here, you know? Oh, I was also going to say, can someone who's, like, an electrician in Europe confirm that you guys don't have the voltage to handle air conditioning? Because it, I don't know if this is just, like, an urban legend or, like, what is going on, but people are insisting that Europe just doesn't have, like, the electrical infrastructure to handle large-scale AC, and I don't know if that's true. I literally think that's something where we should do, like, an America post-war moment where we are, like, here, we'll give you the voltage. Yeah, no, exactly. That needs <laughs> like, to be, like, we should topic. send some electricians for the army. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like they're going to have to install some sort of form of cooling if the summers are just going to keep getting hotter, right? Like, yeah, it doesn't seem like a very, at least in the stores and stuff, because that just becomes like a food problem, right? Like, it becomes like, <laughs> like everything's just going to rot or like melt and stuff. Oh, like, yeah, no, we were talking to each other about this video that we saw of all of the Cadbury chocolates being melted inside a store in the UK. And it's just like, okay, maybe like put them in the fridge. In my house right now, all the chocolate will get soft if it's, like, left out. Like, it'll get really soft. This is, like, the thing of drinking warm water in Europe where I feel like they just don't like when stuff is, like, frosty cold. I do think, like, I get it because it, it, things like not having air conditioning and not refrigerating water are, like, technically healthier. But I think mm-hmm. also a lot of Europeans don't understand how hot it gets in certain parts of the United States. Like, mm-hmm. here in Texas, like, last week was, like, 111 degrees, you know? And, like, Damn. that's just, like, normal. And I was, like, driving around with no AC in my car. And me and Pearl, like, took, like, a road trip in that weather. We literally had to, like, keep pulling over and, like, washing ourselves in random gas station bathrooms because it was so hot. And we, we really, like, we pulled over at, like, a random graveyard and ran through sprinklers and, like, got in the car and dried <laughs> within, like, 10 minutes. It was, like, so bad. Whoa. This should be, like, a climate change short film, honestly. Yeah. No, I mean, it's just been that way since I remember. I mean, it's definitely gotten hotter, but, like, it just yeah. has been pretty insanely hot here. And so it's, like... To see a place like Britain, whenever Biz was sending me, like, the degrees and stuff, I was like, oh, shit, dude. Like, they don't have, like, AC. They don't have, like, the infrastructure for this That's why old people are, like, dying inside their apartments. It's pretty sad. Um, No, it's bad. Because it's it's very oven-like. But anyways, Mm -hmm. maybe we should talk about Mamma Mia. Yes, I was literally just about to say that. 
for the past few years, there's been like a so many different types of like Euro media that is very like aspirational. So Mamma Mia, for some reason, has had a huge comeback. Like ABBA, TikTok audios. There's the one of Chiquitita with like the intense piano riff that like gives me the worst headache and also will be like overlaid with some speech from Call Me By Your Name. Call Me By Your Name is another one where it's like the more cottagecore pastoral, like rural Italy thing and it's like less coastal. The Disney movie Luca was also set like, I guess, like, Cinque Terre or something? Like, coastal Italy. Then also, like, Zillennials are addicted to, like, referencing the Lizzie McGuire movie where she goes to Rome. I think my favorite is The Talented Mr. Ripley because it's, like, the most trad. And it also has a murder, so it's not just about the, like, glamour. I like that one because it really has to do with class and, like, showing that this is a type of holiday or vacation that, like, rich people have. Versus yes. I think that gets really obscured in, like, the Euro summer of today. Um, because it is about that same aesthetic, but it's like just not tying it down to like what type of people traditionally have this sort of holiday in Italy. Because I just wanted to speak quickly about how I think that British people are the original Euro summerers. British people literally go on holiday once every two days for three days and they come back, they work for two days and they go on holiday for 10 days. It's just like the lifestyle, it's the way of life, it's the culture which I know is in part driven by their obsession with the sun because apparently this place has like a vitamin D shortage. The, the way you experience Europe is really like divided by class if you're British. Like mm-hmm. kind of like how we have all inclusives here that maybe someone who's like not rich would go to like Myrtle Beach or something like that type of thing. <laughs> because I feel like in America, like you kind of have to be rich to go on vacation, like, a little bit. Mm-hmm. Versus yeah. here, it's not really like that, just because people have guaranteed, like, holiday, and it's just, like, more accessible, yeah. I guess. But I also wanted to say that this reminds me of how they used to send, like, sick women to, like, the sea to recover. That yes. is, like, the British relationship <laughs> to Europe in the summer, because they're so, like, vitamin D deficient. Yeah, I feel like it's also, it's, like, literally cope. Like, I feel like in the U.S., we feel bad about asking for vacation because it's not, like, really guaranteed as a human right, and it also seems like something you have to, like, earn as you get more senior in your job. Because I work for a European company, I have, like, a lot of vacation days, and, like, this summer, our work has slowed down so much because, like, everyone is always going on, like, two-week holidays. But it's, like, chill. Like, no one is, like, feeling bad about it, and no one is, like, checking their phone. Everyone is, I guess people in Europe are just really good at setting boundaries with, like, their work and life. It has to be like an inborn cultural thing that has to have been in place for like decades and decades for it to be affected because even like millennial companies in the US that are like, oh, we're going to change things, we're going to give people vacation time and it just never ends up being like this. Like it has to be where every person in the country, at least to like a certain degree, feels like this is like somewhat accessible to them. I mean, I feel like there's a lot of discourse about that where like a lot of tech companies will do like unlimited paid leave or PTO, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then, like, they guilt trip you into, like, never taking it. Yeah. Once you get to, like, non-corporate jobs and stuff, like, I've worked in restaurants and stuff. Most restaurants do, like, you can only take one day off a month. But, like, most of the time it's, like, one day off every two months. And most of the time they, like, deny your, like, time off requests. And, like, if you miss work, if you're sick, it's, like, you're dead. You're dead to the entire restaurant. It's, like, insane. Like, so the lower it gets, like, in the United States, it, like, really becomes, like, if you miss work, like, you broke your leg and you don't show up to your shift and you don't find anyone to cover it, like, you, everybody's going to be so passive-aggressive to you to, like, for, like, two months, like, yell at you every time you mess up. It's, like, so... I think this is a very individualized thing. This reminds me of, like, the labor striking that seems to be more culturally yeah. commonplace in Europe is that I feel like in the U.S. it's so much more individualistic and you, like, kind of take it as a personal failure if you're, like, making other people's jobs harder. 
but I feel like in Europe there's just like maybe more collectivism and it's just like okay like we're all in this together we like all want our jobs to be better sorry if this like inconveniences other people but like we're gonna do it Kevin actually had a really great perspective on this you were saying how like like every country and it's like colony slash former colony have like these like weird opposite attitudes uh, it seems like every country and it's like major colony are kind of like reverse of each other like you have portugal brazil where portugal people are kind of like somber and emotional whereas the brazilians are all like very happy optimistic party all the time same thing with like france and quebec or us and the uk put it in very basic terms like you have the one side that's very optimistic and the other one that's very pessimistic and with Spain and Mexico, it almost seems like the exception to the rule, almost. That's where so it's interesting. Where it's the reverse of all the other ones. Yeah, like, I thought this was... And then also, like, Spain is known for being very lively and optimistic, and Mexico is known for being, like, every... All the music's, like, depressed and, like... <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they, yeah, we're all, like, we're very, like, morbid and macabre in Mexico, yeah. but I think this does have something to do with, like... Because I, I don't want to generalize Europe because it does seem like the only thing it shares in common is that they're part of, like, an economic, like, union or whatever. But it does seem like specifically in the in certain European countries, I don't know if this is, like, a retar- or ridiculous assumption, but but it does seem like certain European countries that are more, like, morbid and pessimistic or just countries in general, they, they have, like, better work-life balance. Yeah, no, in Germany, that's, like, a huge thing. Cause I work for a German company and, like, they really, like, grind, but then they also, like, have really decent work-life balance, or... I like German people. They're cool. Yeah, I do, too. Yeah, same. Edelweiss. Uh... Wait, that's Austria. I think you said that last episode. <laughs> Did I really? I love that yeah. song. Maybe I'll perform that tonight at the beat night. Wait, that's cute. You should wear, um, like, a little outfit. I guess, by the way, guys, we don't think Europe is, like, one country. We know there's a lot of countries in Europe, but we're just talking <laughs> about, like, how people talk about it online. Just yeah. so you know. Uh, okay. Edelweiss. We have Edelweiss, y'all. The way that Europe, the image of Europe has been, like, turned into the algorithm is that I feel like there's so much content that was at first very aspirational and very, like, romanticize your life and, like, you'll never be, like, 21 in Europe with your best friends ever again. But then I started to see more, like, negative stuff that's, like, people in Europe are, like, anti-black and xenophobic, and unless you're equipped with, like, limitless good fortune, which is kind of, like, the eat, pray, love thing of just, like, you can go with no expectations and everyone will be nice to you, I think they're... That's so fucking annoying. Do they even have sirens in Europe? I feel like I've never even heard one there. They sound different. Oh, whenever I was in Spain, I do remember this very clearly. Mm-hmm. I saw a car crash into a police car. And I remember that was like, and the, and the police car like turned on its sirens. And that was like, it's really stuck in my memory. I have a soundbite from my friend who was in Greece, who was talking about how everyone there wants to fuck the police. I don't know. And the US police officers are fat and like annoying, but. I think one of my, my favorite things I've realized in this trip is that everybody wants to fuck the police. Like, it's selective to be a cop in Greece, and they select beautiful people. It's like, the requirements are like, you have to be, well, actually, I'm making this up entirely, but like, everybody I've seen is like, god, like, mid to late 20s, early 30s, like, hot, brunette man, like, physically fit, like, it's very, all cops are hot. Like, I don't know, my my friends who are like, locals here, like, 
are not a cab. They're like the the police are my friends, and I would want to have sex with them. Yeah, they also have different uniforms here that are a lot. And they're like, more militaristic. Yeah. They're way more militaristic. Like definitely, I've had moments like that in Europe where I've been like, mm, "You're a little buff, and you're wearing like a bulletproof vest, and it says yeah. like, Polizzi on it." <laughs> it makes me think like is ACAB like just a like I don't know is police abolition like a thing even in Europe or is that just like a thing that came from like a uniquely American problem I'm sure there's police brutality in Europe like, yeah though, but... yeah I mean there's there's just differences though like for example I was at um a friend's house party the other weekend and it was like pretty I guess rowdy and usually when that happens in the U.S. like if someone's getting called, it's the cops. But in yeah. here, it was like they call the council, and the council <laughs> is like the council that like runs your borough or something. And so these two men wearing like baggy collared shirts like walked up to the door, and they were just like, "Can you turn the music down?" So it's stuff <laughs> like that that I'm like, I guess that is like a little bit like not police state. Yeah, that's nice. But I like that. Dudes. Yeah, the way that, like, government and community and stuff works in Europe is so weird in class. Like, I just actually need to do, like, a master class on this. I did have one summer, though, where I got uh, banned from Airbnb, and this was, like, my Eat, Pray, Love summer after I graduated high school, and I went to Europe and stayed, like, in random places by myself. I feel like you were, like, 16 and should not have been on Airbnb legally, I have to be honest. I was, yeah, I was 17, that's why I got kicked off, because someone asked to see my passport, and, like, you can't, like, Photoshop it, like, you have to take a picture of it within the app, and so, got banned. And then I was just, like, really, like... Homeless? scrounging around yeah i was just like asking my dad if we had any like family or something i could stay with and so a friend of my dad's cousin who like was in the military with him like let me stay with his family and he was like a diving instructor in this coastal town and like vacation or like holiday in italy is like very much a big deal like the month of august like everyone goes on holiday to just like towns like coastal towns and it was very much one of those towns that was like a resort town for italians so like no one was speaking english but I'm trying to remember where I was going with this. Oh, I think I was really jarred because, like, they didn't like McDonald's, um, but they ate, like, a lot. Like, a big culture shock because they would, like, have home-cooked meals every day and were, like, feeding me so much and it was some of the best food I've ever had. But they kept on being like, you're not eating enough. And I was like, no, I'm literally eating so much pasta and, like, so much meat every day. Like, I'm really trying. And I was just, like, eating so, so much, but really not getting that much weight. But then I remember one time we were on a road trip and we passed a McDonald's, and I was like, oh my god, McDonald's, like, I haven't had McDonald's for so long, and they just looked at me with such disgust, they were like, you eat that? Like, <laughs> and I was like, you guys literally eat, like, 60 pounds of pasta, like, every day. I guess it's just a thing of eating really fresh and delicious organic food in, like, huge qualities is better than eating a little McDonald's once in a while to them. Yeah, I think that's the case. I mean, because I think it's probably true that it is better to just eat, like, fresh pasta. That yeah. reminds me how, of how Italians are obsessed with Italy. Italians love Italy. Oh yeah, no, my like grandma literally cried when we went to Italy. She was like, this reminds me so much of Italy. Wait, what's Italy? It's like an Italian marketplace thing that they have in New York. They have it around the world. It's like, oh, um, really? think of it as like Disney, kind of like, not Disney World, as in there's no attractions, but it's like, has that kind of weird ambiance of like an attraction, but it just has a ton of different Italian foods, ingredients, like, yeah, like stalls, like butcher stalls for like fresh burrata and ravioli. I worked there for one day in the one in the World Trade Center, and I had to quit <gasps> because it was not—it was too much for me. 
Oh my god. Pastries are literally good. No, literally, Alexi, it looks out over the world. Uh, the Oculus, reflection. yeah, I've been up there. No, 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 it looks out over the 9-11 reflection. No, the 9-11 oh. reflection pools. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. I make it to this thing, which also, I'm like, I'm just certain Europeans don't do this. They made us, our, the new hires do this thing where we had to taste olive oil, gurgle it in the back of our throats, but we had to do this while we're looking out over the 9-11 reflection <laughs> ponds, and I was like, I'm not doing this. That's so funny. A lot, a lot of other things happened there. And then the other thing is that I remember I got yelled at on the first day by the manager, and he took me to his secret office, which was an invisible door behind a map of Italy. Like, you know those invisible doors that, like, are supposed to be hidden? This is really like, giving, like, Potter? whoa, this is so, like, Despicable Me vibes. Wait, and then I remember that oh, yeah. I was, no one was training me, and I was trying to make a cappuccino for the two, two executives, who I didn't know they were executives, I just thought they were guys wearing suits, and then someone else came up to me and was like the two executives of Italy said that you should smile more and I was like <laughs> the place is oh my god I thought the place doesn't have the Italian spirit deep down inside no not say. really I think it just mm. it makes Italian people in my family really nostalgic I think just because of like the market setup and more of like the internal architecture and the ingredients as well I think they have like good good stuff there's just such a total difference in Europe with the relationship between body image and health and consumption and i feel like there's just this concept of like eating good being all that matters we need that yeah, yeah normalize we that well oh, i i do think that that was trying to be normalized by like bon appetites oh but that's then true. they kind of took their tumble because once they again they became kind of too like it became kind of like childlike because the characters became so characterified like molly baz and like Mm -hmm. bradley on they became caricatures of themselves yeah caricatures and like almost like funko pops or something (laughs) wait bon appetit funko pops would sell like hotcakes yeah i just feel like that wasn't actually a normal relationship to happen to have to food and the way that like europeans do it's not like motivated by like molly baz's golden retriever energy or something such a thing that's like also i don't know if like tiktok made this a thing but the idea of like celebrity dishes like the i know you just made the alton roman pasta yeah the Gigi hadid pasta like the hayley bieber salad Haley bieber, pizza bagel pizza yeah, yeah, yeah and it's just like we have like a weird relationship in food with food where it's like we need it to be like advertised to us in a way that's like very specific yeah it has to be like validated by like some yeah. sort of like institution or like institutional figure i feel like we don't have like storied institutions anymore so like there's no like weird like storied institutions in the United States, whereas like I think in Europe we have so much there or they have so much like legacy and stuff. Recipes can just be like handed down and like really propagated by virtue of them being kind of old, right? And here it's like everything kind of has to be propagated by virtue of it being like looking good on camera and like Yeah. Wait, I feel like the lentil crumbled scandal of Daily Harvest happening Euro summer feels significant somehow because mm-hmm. Daily Harvest is like the most like disordered type of like food relationship to food. No, it's not the most disordered relationship to food you can have. It is just a very convenience oriented yeah. way to eat because it's not only about convenience, it's also about health. So yeah. like you're not even being like a typical American like getting fast food, you're like wanting to get fast food, but then it's also like packed with micronutrients. Yeah, but then you also have no idea where it's coming from. Like, that whole process is so shrouded from you. You don't know who's making it. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't even know who's delivering it. You don't know how it's getting to you. Whereas I feel like the Euro summer thing is just, like... I feel like also when you're in Europe, it's, like, an actual activity for you to, like, go out and, like, explore wherever you are and, like, gather these ingredients. No, I totally agree. And I don't want to sound like a nut, but, like, I really don't trust 
labels. Like, I don't trust that they're telling me the truth. I don't know why I said that, but I don't know. It's I don't just trust things. ordering, like, preserved food from the internet. Like, I no, don't know. Talking about that do grocery delivery, like... Huh? Have you guys seen the pink sauce thing on TikTok? Oh, the pink sauce. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna make I'm a pink sauce Euro summer like charcuterie spread. Oh my god, it would be so good. Oh my god. Why is this so food centric? I think I'm just really hungry, guys. I feel like we haven't talked about fashion at all. No, it's because the fashion of this is n- not central. It's you signal in other ways. You signal your fashionability in other ways. We could talk about yeah. Drake quickly and also Beyonce. <gasps> yeah, house music, electronic music, Europe. The whole zillennial thing of like coping with the newfound banality of work life by listening to house music at like 9 a.m. is very real. Very real. That's another thing too. And I, I mean, I do think it just has something to do with collective ADHD as well. But I do like half the people I know are obsessed with house music and listen to it only like very early out in the early hours of the morning. And also last night, I came home super late and I was driving a bunch of people home and everyone was really tired and they were begging me to play like loud booming electronic music and I, they were just like it just like wakes me up it's like a cup of coffee and I was like why dude that's like it's like three o'clock in the morning yeah the Drake album takes got very classist very quickly where they were like at first it was like everyone was like we hate this album like it's mid like this sounds like uns uns music white people shit but then people are like if you don't get Drake's album like you've probably never been on a yacht in the Mediterranean and it was like, okay, <laughs> sorry. Oh, Drake is having a Euro summer. We keep forgetting about that. Yeah. Well, actually, we should talk about that. Like, he posted a photo of like a random European lady at a cafe and was like, does anyone know who this is? Right? No, he was like, I airdropped it to her. She looked so good. But it's like a blurry uh, photo that he took from like across the restaurant. <laughs> she was giving kind of coastal grandma to me. Like just her outfit. It was very like J. Jill. Like... What else? What else? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, this is another thing regarding yachts and, like, the Mediterranean. I feel like there's this whole thing of, like, being really suspicious of groups of influencer model baddies going on vacation ever since Dubai Porta Potty Gate. It's like, you're probably wondering how all these girls are, like, always on boats or, like, always in these specific locations. Like, Ibiza's one of them. Um, mm-hmm. But it does, it does make me suspicious. But I feel like now there's, like, starting to be harassment of, like, girls on TikTok that are, like, stop saying that I'm, like, shitting on some guy's chest. Like, my friends and I are just in Dubai. But I'm like, really? Dubai is just a suspicious city to me in general. That's actually like anti Euro summer because Dubai is so new. It's like such a new city. It was like built so recently. And, and like there's no like history. Convenience yeah. core that is like Dubai. Everything about Dubai is like forward. Yeah, it's like facing. a giant mall. This is also another thing. I, f- I feel like this was a thing in the 90s and like traveling with my parents. They always were very like Rick Steves pilled and like very interested in going to <gasps> cathedrals and like archaeological sites. But I haven't really seen anyone romanticizing that. It's been more My about dad like purely. Loves Rick I know I love Rick Steves. It's so like vibes led tourism. He's like this white guy who just like wrote a bunch of travel books and did like YouTube videos about certain cities in Europe. Oh. But he's really he, cute. He's a cute guy. He's like um the Bill Nye the Science Guy for traveling oh, Europe travel. for your dad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like I don't know. My dad just watches those for fun like everywhere in the world and stuff. Yeah, no, he's great. Oh, Anthony Bourdain, too, kind of being, like, yeah. a trendy, like, figure and stuff. That's kind of, I think, adjacent to this, because I think everybody's kind of... They just like the, like, exoticism of travel and, like, like culinary, like, goodness. But mm-hmm. I think it's just, like, Europe is more accessible to American people because, I don't know, they have, like, Britain and people who mostly speak English yeah. where you're going to go, like, you know. Um, but that's going to be the case everywhere in the world, so... Our financial reporting is that the euro and the dollar, as of recording this episode, are like more or less equal, right? No, they are. They are equal. I mean, yeah. I need to bring that up because I'm sure people would be like, "You stupid bitches!" Like, it's because the euro and the dollar are equal. Well, guess what? We knew that. 
And... That should be the title of the episode. Breaking news! Yeah. <laughs> Wait, Sam, I'm glad you brought up Anthony Bourdain because I feel like one of the big like lessons of this summer is like gatekeeping. Like everyone wants to know the local best kept secret and like the places that are off the map or whatever. But then obviously if you post about these things, they're gonna blow up and become like photo ops. And so I've seen all of these like very influencers in the wild style, like anti-content of certain places in Santorini where like every girl is trying to get a photo or like restaurants that are getting ruined just by like girls trying to take photos there you know i do feel like mm. greece is like the best example of that because a quarter of their economy is like tourism i think like greece is the most famously oversaturated influencer pick place like santorini and like mykonos and stuff yeah and i feel like what they lack in gdp they make up for in like natural beauty <laughs> yeah it's true this is the first time that the euro and the dollar have reached parity for the first time in basically our lifetimes the first time in 20 years so it really is anyone that isn't is that is even like remotely in our generation kind of like this is the first time vacation to europe more or less is comparable to like vacationing in like florida yeah flying within the u.s is so expensive it's just like at that point why would you even like want to go to la if you could just like go to paris for cheaper would you rather be locked in a tower with the hunchback of notre dame <laughs> or get kidnapped by a gondolier playing the accordion <laughs> yeah, like, wait, yeah, they do. They do yeah. that. No, they, no, they do. They? I think they do. Or is that I just mimes? see that in cartoons. I'm thinking of mimes, and I think it's just because they both wear striped shirts. <laughs> yeah, I think I think gondoliers don't play the accordion, but maybe they do. But mimes don't play the accordion because they're silent. Accompanies their silent movie like Charlie Chaplin bullshit. They oh, do. okay. They play the... No, I feel like gondoliers play the accordion. Maybe it's true. Yeah. I think I okay. Well, I think I could fall in love in both situations. <laughs> You know what I mean? I'm like, you got the hunchback? Yeah, Duff. I feel like that's the point of the whole movie. Remember mm -hmm. that burned don't down? Him, oh my don't god. Don't him and Esmeralda <laughs> fall in love or no? Yeah, they do. But Wait, she's I like. I thought that she rejected him and he like killed himself. I think that's like the original. Kills himself? I think it's really sad because he's like physically disfigured and like really busted, but she's just a person of color and so like they get matched up. <laughs> Because it's like yeah. you guys are both equally like looked down upon he, in society. Okay, if they remade that movie, it would have the same Paul Dano effect or Paul Dano <laughs> effect of like everyone's like, oh god, he's so sexy, like because that he is like Riddler esque. Yeah, like y'all like, hear me out. <laughs> yeah, 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 y'all hear me out type of thing. Well, it's, so I think if I had to really decide, I think my first instinct was Hunchback. So what about you guys? I was gonna say gondolier just because I I can like picture that more clear in my head. This is like really shows like how uneducated I am with Europe is like because I was just like we could totally like eat baguettes like on the gondolier dude on the gondola or whatever. The you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can eat them on him, dude. I don't know. Yeah, because I was just like imagining some weird like French Italian fusions like scenario. Which actually I would prefer. Italian pastries are so bomb. I used to work at this I used to work at Lilia, which is this like kind of famous Italian restaurant in Williamsburg. And their pastries are so good. So I I get it. I would go with a gondola because I think that this is like a thing that climate doomers always like to say about any city that's like near sea level is they're like, This is gonna be like Venice in ten years. So I think once you get close with a gondolier, maybe you could learn oh, some things true. and like mm -hmm. like Charleston, South Carolina, for example, is going to be like Venice in ten years. That sucks. Yeah. I think that a gondolier would be less trustworthy than a hunchback, I'll be honest. 
because I think a gondolier has that kind of like shifty, kind of like shifty, smooth talking energy. And so he might not be your lifelong um, beloved of your life. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, what's next? Would you guys rather be stuck in the airport on the way to Italy for three days? Or would you rather get. No, I was going to say bed bugs, but bed bugs are way worse. Did you even have those in Europe? Hell yeah. Would you rather get... <clears throat> Guys, help me out. Uh, let's take... We didn't talk about Bernheim, which I think we probably should have... We should have done oh, that, Oh, would but... you rather be in line for Bergheim for three days? Or be in the line at the airport? Like, entering or leaving Italy? Entering. Like, you're not even there yet. You're in, like, a... You're actually in Berlin transferring flights, but you can't leave the airport. So you're... you're, bo- you're Both scenarios, you're in Berlin. Do not want. I don't know why. Like I have no interest in the German lifestyle. Yeah, I'm gonna get fired for saying that. But curry worst. I actually really like getting into like debacles and like like conundrums at the airport. It makes me feel really cinematic or something. Something about the airport. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like I've probably mentioned this in other episodes. It just feels like a movie in there. Oh, and someone said this to me that that they really like airports because you have, like, a sense of, like, narrative and direction everywhere that you're going. Oh, yeah. And so, like, I feel like I would probably get stuck at the airport. I kind of actually like getting stuck at the airport and being in a stressful situation there. Yeah, I feel like whichever one I can kind of, like, lie down in. But I feel like at the airport, someone gets to be a leader versus I feel like no one would care about you in the Bergheim line. Have you guys watched this movie, The Terminal, that's about the... There was an Iranian refugee who lived in the departure lounge in Paris Mm -hmm. from 1988 to 2006. Yeah, I would just become like him. That was just a travesty. Well, one thing about the airport is that... This is what I love about the airport as well, is that you can... It's like the one place in the world where you can lie down anywhere. Like, on the floor. Like, anywhere. No one's going to judge you. Like, you're just... People just just assume that you're just on your way. That's very true about the narrative. Mm -hmm. Is like, once you're there, it's like, no one would just, like, want to hang out here by choice, you know? Like... Yeah, exactly. You are a part of something larger. But also, I love airports because, first of all, my mom's a flight attendant. Second of all, I was, like, a frequently an unaccompanied minor. And that gives you, like, access to, like, they would drive you around on those little, um, like, really high-speed carts and, like, beep at people. And we had, like, all these weird, oh, yeah. like, kids' lounges that we'd play Xbox in. That was so fun. Yeah. That sounds really fun. Would you rather... God, why did I think of this? I get shrunk down to miniature size and drown in a piece of burrata or I don't know Wait, why that liquid my head, <laughs> Liquid, I don't know. Cause you know how it's like, it's like mushy, you know? On the inside. So yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. like, it's like quicksand. So you get stuck in the burrata, like it's a piece of quicksand or would you rather, I don't know, like in SpongeBob, whenever they get canned into sardines. Mm. That is a really good Sorry, question. Sorry, this is a really no, I like I like the slapstick vibe of being canned like a sardine. Mm-hmm. So I'm gonna go towards being canned, but it does seem a lot more painful and punishing. It does, right? I feel like something about like have you seen people make um, mozzarella before? It like comes together in water, and you have to like wash it and like squish it and like. That's a... when they took me on my tour of Italy as a first day employee. They took us to the mozzarella station. <laughs> Oh, love it. Wait, guys, did you see the phone case I made? Isn't that so cute? It's I was so like, I wish, I wish there was a sardine on it. I know. I should do a Euro summer themed one. They had a lot of like weird fake food. I almost put a baguette on it, but it didn't match. Yeah, or like hot dogs and stuff. Yeah. Mm. And it was mostly like French looking pastries. I love that. Yeah. Um, 
What about okay, you guys? I actually have to leave. I realize I'm like, right, right. guys, your summer means that we have to go out because the night is calling our names. Yeah, I'm on Euro time. We hope you enjoyed this very special episode. Au revoir. Au revoir. <laughs> Bonjourno. Au revoir. Buona notte. Um, ciao Bella. <laughs> ciao Bella, etc. Yeah, I don't even know any German. Auf Wiedersehen. Auf Wiedersehen, yeah. All right, I'm going to say. Edelweiss.